Good morning, good people. Welcome to A to Z Sports Live, presented by Texas Family Fitness, Freeman Mazda Hyundai, and Worth the Poor. I am your host, Will Skywalker. Still, boom. Trey said, 8-ish gang, 306 gang. <laughs> Y'all are funny. Hey, coming up today, we pick back up our rating the draft series. Today is fourth round pick tight end Jake Ferguson. I've got a very interesting comp. Attitude era comp that I want to explain to y'all and see how y'all feel about it. Y'all know me. I'm going to probably comp all these picks to somebody in the attitude era. Plus, Coming up in the roundup, cornerback news that, that might affect Diggs. I don't know how I feel about it. We'll, we'll see how y'all feel about it. And uh, also, we have Tyler Smith, an update in regards to pro, you know progressing. So we'll get into that in the roundup as well. But of course, I've got to get a shout out to Bomb Squad! Y'all in here early. I appreciate it. J.A., Danny Savage, Gregory. Uh, Yomi, Etoyi, Gregory, uh, Stephen White, T-Mac was good, Tony Simmons, uh, Toxic Tom, appreciate you being in the building. What's up, Kobe Shepard, Trey Manning, Mr. Bruce Wayne. So you're not Batman, you Bruce Wayne. All right, all right, all right. Uh, Danny says, minicamp over. Rookie minicamp is over, yes. The next thing is uh, OTAs with the with the uh, veterans. They'll all be coming in. Uh, Anthony Timo on Facebook, appreciate you. Peter Rizzo. Zoe One Fitness, how do you do? Keith Shep, C. Burleson, Nick Mem, Sin City, Chuck P. over on Facebook, Kel Randall. So are we? Are we? Are we doing the Beavers today? No stars. Y'all gonna Beaver me to death? All right. Uh, what's up, Stage? Big Sarge, Stephen White. I got you, Jake the Great in the building. Okay, what's good, Jake the Great? And the many more coming through. Derek, I see ya. B47, Vic was good, and Dominique. Hey, I appreciate y'all for being in here early in the morning. Y'all know y'all are no longer uh, notification gang or none of that stuff. Y'all the bomb squad. Bomb squad! Yeah, and if you want to call in uh, to the show, mind you, this is the rating series, so it, it may be, I may get into the phone calls a little bit later, but if you do want to call in to the show, you can. 351 Eight seven is the call in line. I feel good about today's show because I purposefully, if you guys notice, I've been kind of holding off on the Jake Ferguson uh, breakdown because it, it's it's sneaky, and I'll explain why why I think it's sneaky in a good way and in multitude of other ways. But it's a very sneaky selection, and, and we'll get to that. But let's go ahead and jump right into this thing. It's time for the morning roundup. Round them up, boys. Yes, indeed. The morning roundup presented by Texas Family Fitness. Strive for progress, not perfection. We're more than just a fitness club. They provide the tools, support, and resources you need to achieve your goals. So hit up any of the 13 now different locations in the DFW area or visit texasfamilyfitness.com. Let's get into it. So 
yesterday I was on the Twitter sphere and got the notification that Jair Alexander, stud cornerback from the Packers, received a massive extension. I'm talking about a historic cornerback extension. Yes. Four years, $84 million. $21 million per year. Listen, I'm, I'm happy for Jair Alexander, but I'm also nervous. I'm also nervous, y'all, for Diggs. If, only if he continues in his trajectory, which I, I think he will. Like I, I have all the belief that Trayvon Diggs will continue to be a really damn good cornerback. And it's not because I'm Diggs and I'm nervous. Y'all know why I'm nervous. Cat boy, cat boy, what you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? Cat boy, cat boy. Yeah. That's why I'm nervous. At some point, you know, you got to sign your best players, though, right? And they have, you know, they've signed their their Tyron Smiths. They've signed their their Zeeks and their Dax and, and you know, D-Laws and all those guys. But, but the numbers that are starting to get paid to these guys, and the cap is going to be going up, so it'll match, I think. I think it's starting to get to the territory where Catboy is just going to be like, nah, I'm good. I'll go try to find another Diggs. I hope that's not the case, but if you go look at the Jair Alexander situation, did any of you any of y'all hear about the Packers dropping weird nuggets about Jair Alexander so he wouldn't get paid? I mean, I'm not saying that that's what happens in Dallas. I'm just, did anybody hear anything about this extension dropping or, hey, you know what? Jair Alexander gave up over 800 yards his first two seasons. Gave up over eight touchdowns. Missed 16 tackles. I didn't hear all that about Jair Alexander. I felt like they just kind of let him get to his third year in peace. And when he got to his third year, he put it all together and had the best season of his career. Now, he got hurt last year, and he still got the bag. So, I'm just saying, Diggs is next, y'all. And you're lying to yourself if you believe this is going to go smoothly. I hope like hell it does. I hope Steven proves me wrong, and this just kind of goes smoothly. But... I believe it when I see it, Cowboys Nation. Some good news yesterday coming out of the rookie camp. Cowboys insider Bobby Belt was down there as well. We had Dave Hellman on, and he talked about a lot of things. He said that Tyler Smith looked natural at the guard position. I thought that was big. Uh, he also dropped a nugget about, about Josh Ball, kind of getting to the weeds here. Josh Ball didn't participate, which is a shocker because he was scheduled to participate. But there could have been some type of CBA situation. Nonetheless, Bobby Belt had this to say about Tyler Smith. I thought this was interesting. Uh, Let me see how far along he is by July and August, but the hands looked much better at rookie camp. His feet still need work, but his hands were, were consistently on the numbers this weekend instead of outside of the shoulders. If you go and watch all of his tape, you see, I called him violent or powerful, but wild. Because you see those hands get outside the shoulder pads and kind of wrestles you down. Um, Even his coach said that. But I think step one was always going to be to get his hand discipline, get inside those shoulder pads, get into a muscle memory repetition of doing so. If that can happen, 
I personally think his progression can be much more smoother than we think. Now, that's not to say he's going to be amazing year one. No, but I think he can still be good year one if he gets his hands right. He has the, the athleticism to get his feet right. You see it in his movement. You heard Dave talk about it. You see some of the videos. Hell, you see the tape. He, he has good feet, but like he talked about, he has to match his feet with his body. He has, to, he has to match his feet with his body and his hands, and he has to get it all in place. Uh, but I, I do think it starts with the hands, Cowboys Nation. If he can get those things inside on a consistent basis, that is a, that is a strong building block to start with Tyler Smith moving forward. There was an uh, interesting poll. Maybe I'll drop it in here as well. An interesting poll on Tyler Smith that my guy Jonathan Oni, who I'm still trying to get on the show, had dropped on Twitter. He said, "Year, who will, who is better? Who will be better? 2022 Tyler Smith or 2021 Connor Williams? Very interesting poll. Y'all can answer that question while I read the final nugget from uh, the morning roundup. Six of the nine draft picks have been signed. That's a, that's a good sign. I know you're probably like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What about the other guys? Uh, Sam Williams, Jalen Tolbert have yet to be signed, which isn't uncommon because of the CBA nowadays making the second to fourth round picks more negotiable than it's been you know, back in the days. But per the CBA, they also are allowed to participate in OTAs, rookie mini camps, mini camps, mandatory mini camps. Uh, but if they are not, if they are not signed when training camp comes, they are not put on the 90-man roster. So I think th- these things will get situated and will be fine. Another player not signed is the fourth-round pick tight end, Jake Ferguson, who we are going to dive into a little bit more today. That was this morning's roundup presented by Texas Family Fitness. I want to see y'all answers. I, I don't know if many of you guys answered here. I want to see what y'all have to say about this one because it's interesting. Before we move on to Jake Ferguson, who will be better 2022 Tyler Smith or 2021 Connor Williams? I want to know what y'all think. You know, I I think it's not, I don't think it's cut and dry. I don't. And I can see where there's a divide and and I can also see where fans are just fed the hell up with Connor Williams. My guy Vach always says, the anybody but syndrome. Kind of, It's kind of there. No, not even kind of. It reached that with uh, Connor Williams, for sure. Uh, anybody but Connor Williams. The penalties also, you know, the penalties and the bad plays he gave up also skew uh, our, our minds on Connor. But he, <laughs> I'm really trying to miss my words here. I'm going to just say he, he wasn't as bad as maybe the perception might have been. You know what I'm saying? Like, like he wasn't catastrophic. But he could have been better. In regards to this question, though, this is why I think it's interesting. Because I think, I do think that Tyler Smith can be a better run blocker right now. Like, maybe not right now, but at a certain point in the season, I think he could be a better run blocker. Hell, he might be right now. It would be the pass protection. Connor's issue in pass protection was when he got bullied and he had to hold. He didn't give up a lot of sacks. 
And I use air quotes because he technically didn't give up a lot of sacks, but you might as well call it a sack if you're holding on a pass protection where you're getting bowled over and you got to reach and grab shoulder pads and whatnot. So interesting question, man. Uh, which I got to say. Let's see, let's see, let's see. 22 Smith says, Will, honestly, Professor O says 2021. See, Will, Legend says, Tyler, David Knight, 2022, Tyler, Brian, Tyler, Jeremy, Tyler, just off his strength, Cash Money, Tyler, Mike Harris, Tyler. This is kind of how it went on Twitter. It was overwhelmingly favorite of Tyler Smith. Uh, Grant says, Tyler, Mark says, Connor. I'm going to go with what Bobby said. Can I see how far along he is in July and August, right? It's May. It's going to be May. It's May. Like, we just drafted the cat two weeks ago. What's what's his progression looking like come August, towards the end of August, we get to into the season? So maybe I'll revisit this question right before the season because I think it's a fascinating question. I dubbed this draft a draft of the future, Right? PFA, potential, future, attitude, and athletes. So, it's not far-fetched to believe that we don't see peak early Tyler Smith until 2023. He was the weak link, Trey. Absolutely, was the weak link. All right, now, like I just said, y'all, I dubbed the this draft the attitude era, right? And I have an interesting, very, very interesting comp when it comes to to Jake Ferguson, who I believe is a very sneaky pick. Very, very sneaky pick. Not the most valuable uh, valuable pick. Not the steal of the draft. But sneaky. You know what I'm saying? Let me show you a quote that Jake Ferguson said to uh, Mike McCarthy. He said, basically, at Wisconsin, we go by these three words. Smart, tough, dependable. That was my pitch to Coach McCarthy, telling him, hey, I'm smart. I want to be able to pick up the plays. I'm tough. Throw me into any scenario, and I'll be ready, and I'm dependable. You can depend on me. Here's why it's sneaky. It's sneaky because of the situation with Dalton Schultz, which we'll bring up a bunch on the show today. But it's also sneaky because I think he fits in that attitude era mode, but in an unconventional way. I've constantly talked about the attitude there, and I've brought up Sam. I've brought up Jalen. I've brought up Tyler. I've brought up Ridgeway, even Clark, if you listen to him. But I haven't said anything about Jake. I had to dive in a little bit more. Here's my comp. Mick Foley. What? Much like Mick Foley, a.k.a. Mankind, a.k.a. Do Love, a.k.a. Cactus Jack, right? You could always rely on Mick. He was going to do the dirty work for you. He was going to be dependable. And he definitely was going to be tough. Ferguson's going to have to do all of that in year one if he's going to be a tight end too. For those who don't know who who Mick Foley is, (laughs) he is a an attitude era legend. He's, he's a hardcore legend. He's a guy who was an unconventional looking wrestler. He's not a guy you would think that would be a a star, a superstar, but he did all the dirty work. 
He's the one, for those who don't really watch, he got thrown off the top of the case. All you got to do is type in Mick Foley, that'll pop up. But he was dependable. He was tough. He, 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 you know, broke his back, neck, teeth missing, pulled his hair out. Just a dirty work type of superstar. I think that's what Jake Ferguson's going to have to be early on. A guy who's not going to be looked at as this, this, hey, he's part of the offense. He just happens to fit into what we need him to do and get him the hell out of there. Maybe in the future. We'll talk about that in a second. But that's what we're going to need from him. Um, let's get to know our guy a little bit more here in regards to Jake Ferguson. The irony of this music kind of playing in the background sounds like it sounds like mankind. That's wild. Uh, Jake Ferguson was a three sport athlete. In high school, he played linebacker and wide receiver on the football field, basketball, and baseball. And, and honestly, you can kind of see that linebacker-ish in him at the tight end position. And he has a ton of Wisconsin bloodline. If I'm not mistaken, I believe his brother played at Wisconsin, and he was a teammate of him. His father played at Wisconsin and he's also the grandson of Barry Alvarez, who is, I mean, a Wisconsin legend as a football coach. So it was only right that he would go to Wisconsin. I believe he was actually a four-star recruit coming out, too. So he wasn't some chopped liver coming out of high school. He had a bunch of those Midwest type of schools looking at him, and he ended up deciding to go with uh, Wisconsin for obvious reasons, right? Uh, here's a quote. From Jake Ferguson talking about studying Dalton Schultz. He says, him being that sort of all-around tight end was one of the things I wanted to do, especially as a younger tight end, and build my game up in that sense. Just be the guy who not only can be in the trenches blocking, but also go make plays out in the passing game. Interesting that he brought up Dalton Schultz <laughs> because he may be taking over for Dalton Schultz. But you know what's funny? You hear a lot of guys, a lot of tight ends that are similar to Jake Ferguson, 6'5", 250, not an overly athletic dude, doesn't run a crazy 40, right? You hear a lot of guys say, hey, man, I study Jason Witt. I study a Dalton Schultz. Those type of athletes, because here's why, in my opinion, they're not beating you. By out-athleting you. They're beating you by being smart, by being having a high football IQ, being tough, and kind of just doing that dirty work early on until they can kind of establish themselves as receivers. Now, Jason is a Hall of Famer. He kind of established himself a lot earlier. But nonetheless, um, he was he's a, a similar type. And let's be real. Dallas has a type, Cowboys Nation. Am I lying? They have a type. It may not be the type I want, but that doesn't mean they can't be productive. I do want an athlete. I want to see an athlete in this offense. I haven't seen that guy. They tried Rico Gathers, but that was an experiment. They had one in a way in Bennett, but it was too early because Jason Witten was still in his prime. So, and they've never really went back to that route. They went back to this well, Sean McEwen, Dalton Schultz, Jake Ferguson, that well, John Phillips, that type of well. So, you know, that, that's interesting that he studies Dalton Schultz, but it makes a ton of sense. Ton of sense. Professor O says PFF comped him to Schultz on their draft guide. 
And once we get into to the to the ratings here, you, you kind of see why I believe he a little bit ahead of the curve compared to Dalton. But maybe that's not fair because Dalton played in, in a system that um, really don't they don't feature the tight end at all in Stanford at all. But all right, let's get to the first part and then I hop back into the chat, and that is the value. See what you guys got. I'm going to give this one three stars. If it's if it's not one of those, and I'm using air quotes, generational talents, I think getting a developing multifaceted tight end in the fourth round is solid value. It is, it's just solid value. If you go look at some of the more productive tight ends and or highest paid ones today, uh, most of them are third, fourth, and beyond uh, round picks. George Kittle, fifth round pick. Travis Kelsey, third. Andrews, third. Waller, sixth, even though he converted. Schultz, fourth. John o. Smith, not overly productive, but he got paid. Third. Uh, Uzama, I think is how you say it, fifth. Higby, fourth. So, you know, you can get a solid tight end. In the mid rounds. In fact, I'd argue, uh, unless again, there's that dude at the position, that's kind of where I would be at anyway. I didn't really want to take a tight end in the second round. Kind of didn't want to take one in the third round either. I mean, if, you know, our guy was off the board, uh, the Virginia tight end, but that was about the, the, the furthest I would go was round three. But I'd have been cool had they passed there and took it in round four and they got one, Jake Ferguson. Now, you have obvious exceptions like Pitts, Ertz, Jacecki, Goddard. Those guys are taking around two, and Pitts, in his case, in the top ten. But for a team that already had Dalton Schultz on the roster, I think this was a prime spot to get a guy to groom to take over if need be. And honestly, from a production standpoint, Jake Ferguson you know, had a very underrated Big Ten career when you really look at it. Last year alone, 46 receptions, 450 yards, three touchdowns, and only had one drop, but he was a first-team all-Big Ten selection in 2021. Now, those numbers might not pop out at you, like a guy, uh, the Cat McBride, right, who was their, their option at tight end. But you have to add in context, right? He played in a system that doesn't really feature a tight end in that way, didn't have great quarterback play. The Big Ten is not really known for that. But when you look at his career in totality, however, since 2018, his 145 receptions are first among Big Ten tight ends. His 1,614 yards are first among the tight ends. 91 catches for first down, first. He had 21 contested catches. And this one right here is the one that made me go, hmm, hmm. <laughs> 32 forced missed tackles ranked first uh, for a guy who's not overly athletic for a guy who's not yak guy for a guy who's not rat guy, whatever 32 miss forced missed tackles is pretty damn good. So I believe Ferguson was a productive tight end in college. It just didn't look like the super athlete type that catches fans attention. That's all. So I give his value a, a very solid three. Cowboys Nation. Very solid three. I don't think it's some tremendous, oh, my God, you got Jake Ferguson in the fourth. 
but it certainly wasn't some bad value. This is where you get a multifaceted developing tight end. You get those guys in the mid rounds, fourth round picks. So I got three, three stars here. What y'all think, Cowboys Nation? What, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. What's going on, Toxic? Let me, let me get back up here. Uh, three stars from Jeremy. See, Nick says Waller. Uh, you, I don't know what the question marks for, brother. Three stars is fair. Kel says three stars. Professor gives it three. Beavers. Hold on, set it off, Chris. He gave it three stars, but but you got the cursing emoji at the end. I'm wondering what that one's about. Let me know, big bro. Um. See, Nick, I don't got, I don't got them tight. <laughs> Schultz don't block well. Well, legends. Here's the thing about Schultz, and I'm gonna talk about that a little bit later. Schultz is not this terrible blocker, y'all. Like, like he he in space, he wasn't good last year. I think Schultz came down with this, oh, man, I'm that dude. The hell I look like having to block all the time. I don't feel like doing all this blo- this dirty work. I'm the receiving tight end now. Look at me, Blake. I'm the captain now, okay? You got hurt in 2020. I took over. They tried to give you the spot back in 2021. It ain't work. I'm the captain now. This blocking is beneath me, right? Um, which is why I said Jake Ferguson is going to be needed in that aspect. T-Max says he doesn't see Schultz getting a contract. Jeremy, he can block, so that might get him on the field early. Yeah, well, we're going to see about the year one impact. What's, what's this bit that my guy uh, – what's, what's, what's up with this bit, Stephen White, about Matt Willetsko at tight end? You got to fill me in on that. You got to fill me in. Big H gives it three stars. A Hatch was good. He gave it three. Coach Marv, three stars, possible four if he blocks well. Iceberg Q, three to 12 personnel will be dominating again. Stay tuned. We're going to talk about that here in a second. Uh, Gray, three star. So it seems like everybody's giving this a, a fair three star here. I tend to agree. I, I, I don't think this is, this is any crazy value. Luciano says Jake is a dog. Remember, if y'all want to call in, you can. 351-999-3787 is the call in line. I need to start putting it in the chat and then pinning it. But let's get back to this uh, ratings series. Jose says, Ferguson is a better version of Jarwin. I'm going to disagree, Jose. I think they are two totally different guys. Um, I think Blake was more of a receiver, and he literally was a wide receiver in college uh, that they bumped down into a a tight end a little bit later. And you could tell he moved like it, and he didn't really want nothing to do with blocking. Not so much the case with this guy. Not so much the case. James says, we don't need to go 12. I disagree wholeheartedly. Uh, Interesting. I would love to hear your opinion on that and then hear someone else who said that we need to go back to it. I think there needs to be a healthy dose of it, for sure, especially early on. Especially early on without Michael Gallup. In fact, let's – hold on, there's a birthday in the building? Well, happy birthday, Jeff. Happy birthday to you, brother. Let's get into the year one impact because that is where I'm going to actually describe why I think we'll need to get back to this 12, at least at at the early onset of things. So here we go. Year one impact. Where do you have 
Jake Ferguson. Same here with me. I got three stars. And I think this is contingent on him beating out Sean McKean for tight end two. Also, this could be three and a half. Should start doing these half stars. Should give it three and a half. If you look at how much Dallas used their second tight end from a snap standpoint, whomever that is, is going to see the field a good amount. Jarwin, in his seven games prior to week 18, he averaged 37 snaps per game. You know? And even if it's not in a receiving capacity, the tight end two will be involved if Dallas decides to get back to using more two tight end sets. And they did a whole lot of that between weeks one and week eight. And let's revisit that real quick. Dallas was third in the entire NFL in using the 12 personnel set, which is two tight ends, at 32% of the time. It was third between weeks one and eight. And I think a lot of this had to do with Michael Gallup being out. This isn't new. I've said this to you guys a bunch. But it played in the Cowboys' favor. Right? It was one of those things that I think uh, Kellen Moore kind of stumbled into uh, as it being a successful thing. From a passing standpoint, the quarterback rating was over 111. So they were very efficient from a passing standpoint. And they had a 61 successful pass rate. From a rushing standpoint, though, this is the big one. This is the one stat that may have said, hey, we need to get a guy in here that can block a little bit. They averaged 5.7 yards per carry on the ground during that time span out of the 12 personnel set and a 56% success rate running out of it. That is massive. From weeks nine on, however, their usage dropped to 17th in the league at only 20%. From a passing standpoint, it didn't take much of a hit. But from a rushing one, 5.7 yards per carry all the way down to 3.8. And a success rate below 50%. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, I, that, that to me, we can't just scoff over. If you had a Michael Gallup, you had the C.D. Lamb and the Mark Cooper, it makes more sense to kind of go away from 12 because your firepower is at wide receiver. But early on, there is no Michael Gallup. There is no Mark Cooper. There's C.D. Lamb, James Washington, and Tolbert. Not nearly the same effect from a receiver standpoint, so I think they'll need to implement some more 12 personnel. And when you look at Ferguson, listen, he very well may develop into a reliable pass catcher in fact, I think, like I said earlier, Professor, I think he comes into the league a, a little bit better as a pass catcher than Schultz was. At least a little bit more productive. But much like Schultz, I think he'll be used more as a blocker early on. If you remember back in Schultz's rookie year, he saw three. He saw the field, 300 snaps, but he was kind of that quasi tight end two, tight end three with Swaim and Jarwin um, getting a lot of ticks. But Ferguson makes no qualms about run blocking, and he's pretty damn good at it. Uh, in 2021, he had a career-high uh, grade in run blocking. And if you go listen to Dane Brugler, he described him as a competitive blocker, meaning he wants the smoke. He's going he's gonna to get in there. He's going to dig. He's going to walk him that smoke. And I think you need that opposite of Dalton Schultz. 
who, again, like I said, he's not a terrible blocker, but I think he, he's kind of suffering from that. I'm that dude syndrome a little bit. I'm that pass-catching guy, so I don't really need to get in there and do all that dirty work as much as I did. Because um, I think, you know, in a booth, Dalton Schultz can be competitive, but I don't think it's the same want to as a, as a, as a Jake Ferguson. Jake Ferguson got something to prove, right? But from a pass-catching standpoint, Cowboys Nation, I don't really know where his ceiling is just yet. I don't really know where his ceiling is or if he's already reached it. I doubt from an athletic standpoint he'll be much better. So maybe I say an athletic pass-catching standpoint. I feel like he may have reached that because I don't think he'll, you know, just become a great athlete. So I think it'll come down to how fast does he pick up the nuances of the game and how he develops in that area. He's got great hands. He's a, He's got sneaky ability to break tackles, but he's not necessarily a yak guy or an explosive guy. So, you know, he's going to have to beat you in different ways. But in this offense, I don't really care about that yak guy or explosive guy from the tight end position. So I don't really see them coveting that. They covet what Jake Ferguson is. Just be dependable. And I think he's got that potential to be dependable uh, as a pass catcher, which is why I'm giving the year one impact three stars. If he can, that, then now that hinges on him being tight end too. He has to beat Sean McEwen, who y'all know I like. And this is Sean McEwen's, what, third season? So I don't think he's going to lay down by any means. Do I think he's going to lay down? So let me get back in the chat and see what you guys have to say about the 12 personnel situation and also the uh, stars. Jeremy gives it four, so that means you're, he's definitely going to be starting. Uh, Tony Simmons, three. T-Mac, two. TC, nine, one, five, two. Chuck P gives it three and a half. Two and a half for Professor O. Four for Gregory. Okay. Uh, Kel says two won't see the field much after Gallup returns. Possible. Toxic Town gives it three. Uh, the drop-off in 12 personnel, says Presso, from weeks one through seven and the rest of the year was massive. Yeah. As we read it, weeks one through eight, they were third in the league in 12 personnel usage. From nine on, they dropped to 17th. 17th in the league. And, and, and the production also took a hit. And, and I think they could go back to the web and look at that and say, well, listen, if the line is acting up, how do I protect my quarterback? You do so by going into 12. I think Dak Prescott was sacked only, and I could be wrong if I go back and look at the numbers, something like two times in the 12 personnel set. Two times. So, But I also think that hinges on you being having the ability to, to run efficiently. I'm not saying you got to be great at it, but you got to run efficiently, efficiently out of the 12. Um, so that you can get these guys to cheat up and you can hit the C.D. Lambs across the middle for the game winner. You can get uh, Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz out, and one of those dudes are going to be open because they're playing to the run. The play action becomes deadly out of it. So, yeah, I absolutely do think that um, they have to get back to the 12 personnel. Funny thing, so y'all know how I am. I can't read all the chats. I don't have a producer in my ear. So I kind of read what's at the end, and then I go up and I come back down. The mother-freaking birthday in the building is actually my brother, Jeff 
Caesar. So shout out to my big bro hitting the big 3-0. Happy birthday, fam. Uh, my bad. I didn't. I saw Jeff. There's a bunch of you know people in the chat. I had no idea it was it was you that they were talking about. So happy birthday, bro. I'm gonna hit you up after the show. You know how that is. I'll hit you up after the show. We'll rap. We'll talk. Can't wait for you to come down, man, and uh, enjoy the Dallas area as much as I have been enjoying this Dallas area. And we gotta get you to a game. Gotta gotta get you to a game. It's only right. So happy birthday, bro. Um, he's been riding with me through this thing. I, I don't even want to call it day one because it ain't day one. Like, for instance, a lot of people that know me know I don't like to watch back in the day. Didn't like to watch Cowboys games with a bunch of other random people. This was a long time ago because I was that invested. I was that fan. I'm not saying I was Shango, but, hey, I don't got time for the BS. I'm focused. And so I used to watch the game in my room by myself. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes they'd come in and watch it with me, but I was the oldest brother. So I was more invested than they were. And they'd hear stuff in there ruffling around, you know, papers ruffling around or whatever, just because it's frustrating. You know, I got to understand as a, as a young man and teenager, I grew up in the era where we weren't as successful. Very frustrating. But he was there for that. He was there for all the rants afterwards. For for the yo, know, I gotta call you. I gotta I gotta get this Cowboys out of me. I just gotta get it out of my system and just hear me go on for ten minutes to talk about Dallas and hear about my aspirations and dreams and all that. And to see it happen and he be there from its infancy is just it's amazing. It's dope. So happy birthday, bro. Love you, man. Enjoy your time. Yeah, yeah. Set it off. I ain't Shango now. Yeah, I get pissed off, but. I love Shango. Salute. That is a pioneer. You know what I'm saying? And I, I love that Shango puts his emotions out. And, and no, because it allows a lot of Cowboys fans to say, hey, I ain't, I ain't the only one that gets like this. But I, at the time, I wasn't putting anything on no damn internet. Not happening. Not happening. Yes, Jaws. I am over 30. That's about as far as I will go. And even that is probably more than a lot of y'all should known before I just said that. So, yeah. Uh, Joe Hunter. Sky, I thought I was the only one. My brother gets mad because I don't watch uh, the game with them. Not, see? See, this is why I say these things. See, I'm not the only one. You know? I'm going to get Jesse on here in the offseason. I'm just trying to, we're trying to get through some things first. But Jesse will tell you firsthand. And JR will tell you. Anybody that's been to, the, to, to Texas Live will tell you. Even with me embracing the fans, there's a certain part that I'd be like, hey, hey, love you, dog, but I need space. Get games on, I need space. Commercial, half, well, halftime I'm working. Uh, if there's a commercial, you know what I'm saying, they're reviewing the challenge, give me my space, man, because you might end up catching an elbow on accident. I, I kind of first downs. I get excited, man. I get involved. I, I'm fun to be around. Just need space. That's all. That's all I'm asking for. Just a little bit of space, y'all. Yeah, shout out to Shango's rant being on K-Dot's album. That's just mind-blowing. But happy birthday, bro. Enjoy it. I'll hit you up later, man. Uh, let's get back into the chat here. Cowboys P, no exceptions this year for me. Yeah, man. Absolutely. B47 Vic, you think you got it? <laughs> I probably shouldn't even have said that. 
Um, Brandon Edwards says, may have improved run offense and defense in the draft. So, Brandon, if we get back to Jake Ferguson, if we believe that Tyler Smith is an improvement in the run game to Connor Williams, and we also believe that Jake Ferguson could be an improvement to Sean McEwen and Blake Jarwin, by default, you're kind of right, right? Like you, you did get better in the run game, but that's just on paper. We're talking about rookies. We're, you know what I'm saying? So we got to see it first before we totally just blindly believe it. But on paper, it would seem to be that way. It would seem to be that way. Uh, Jose, people complaining about our offense, but if everybody's healthy, this would be a top five offense. I had so much confidence confidence in saying that the last two years. I, I everybody's healthy. Oh well, you know what? Now I'm thinking about the offensive line. If Tyler Smith is or Tyron Smith is healthy, I'll give it top ten. I'll say top ten. I got I gotta wait a little bit, man. Like like I like I like Jalen Tobra. I like James Washington. I just gotta see how does how does Kellen use these dudes, right? Because Kellen, think about it. Kellen came on in 2019. Here was his receivers. A second-year ascending Michael Gallup. A Pro Bowl uh, uh, Mari Cooper. Was Cole Beasley still here? Randall Cobb. Veteran Randall Cobb. Very productive. Savvy veteran. 2020, Mari Cooper, Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb. 2021, Mari Cooper. I'm sorry. Yeah, Mari Cooper, C.D. Lamb. Michael Gallup got hurt. Said Wilson in his fourth year. This year, for at least the first three games, maybe a little bit more, C.D. Lamb. James Washington. I like James. You got to see it. Jalen Tober, rookie. Semi, eh. Noah, eh. So to me, I just got to see how Kellen Moore utilizes these guys because he had the he had an advantage as an early offensive coordinator. Now it's going to be a little bit more coaching, right? We're going to be a little bit more coaching. Uh, that's the thing. Williams, he's been that before. We need a good surprise on offense to rank in the top five. Damn, now that's fair, Peter. Like we, I think we're going to need Jalen Tobert to be damn near a thousand yards, six, seven, eight touchdown type of dude. James Washington to be that eight fifty, six, seven, eight touchdown, which I think he has the potential to be, the talent to be. Uh, and then Michael Gallup when he he returns, I need you to be that dude. I need you to be eleven hundred yards, eight touchdown type of dude. Like that. That's that's not a surprise. That's what I'm expecting. You got to be that guy. Uh, but, yeah, there's probably going to have to be a, oh, snaps. I didn't see Jalen Tober snapping this year or Tony Pollard has a 1,000 yards out of nowhere or something like that. Uh, Alpha Mason says, I'll say top five, a healthy Zeke makes a difference. A healthy Zeke makes a difference. That's another thing that I got to see. 
like I know healthy Zeke makes a difference, but can he stay healthy? We're going on two years now in a row where he has not been. Um, so that's my that's my biggest concern with Zeke. It's not ability. Uh, he has certain traits now that he may not have had in 2016. Let me say this: he may have lost certain traits now that he had in 2016, but that doesn't mean what he ha- what he can do now uh, isn't productive. But, man, all those carries, getting up there in age, he's becoming a nicked-up guy. Just got to see him stay healthy. But, but to be fair, Jose said if healthy, which, let's be real, Tyron Smith, likely not going to be healthy. I don't know about Zeke yet. It's two years in a row. I'm starting to lean towards probably is going to get dinged up. It is what it is. Uh, but let's just say it. It's probably not going to be as healthy. Hell, we got we to be able to make sure that Dak stays healthy at this point been three years running now so james says we need to we need to run 11 and take advantage of what we have see that's see see that's where i I don't necessarily agree with you bro like we're not i don't think there's an advantage at 11 anymore let me let me let me see if i still got this y'all uh this graphic up here so we can kind of visually see the wide receiver room and we will ask this question to y'all C.D. Lamb, James Washington, and Jalen Tolbert. Or C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup to start the season. I don't even think it's close, right? Like, that was an advantage. And then Noah Brown, because of the, the attention that a, that a Amari Cooper and a C.D. Lamb have to, you know, I say Noah Brown, I meant to say uh, said Wilson. Said Wilson, because of the attention that C.D. Lamb and, and and Amari Cooper dictate, put him in the slot, man. Yeah, we'll get busy. So I don't know that there's an advantage early on. Maybe, maybe when when Michael Gallup gets back, then we can maybe discuss it. You know, being a bit being an advantage, but I still think it'd be less than what we had in 2021, which doesn't necessarily mean it, it won't be productive. I'm just saying I have a hard time looking at at the you know the, the wide receiver room early on and saying it's an advantage. My tripping. Uh Kingpin says TP is RB1. Now listen, we we might we might fight about this at some point once I start my uh other series. Not the hindsight series, but the state of the unit series. We'll get back into that. Uh, what kind of contract TP even demand? Well, if we want to get into that, I don't. I don't know that they'll bring him back. I don't see it with Zeke. Kellen Moore needs to become more of a chess master. We we get out coached way too often in big matchups. Hey, hey, Cowboys D. I think that's fair. Like I think that's fair. I know a lot of people are going to say, "Oh, Cowboys number one offense," but again, I say go look at when they've played some of those top those top teams. Not just last year over the second half of the season, but in Kellen Moore's offensive coordinator career, it's been very sketchy. Uh, Toxic says, so if this offense sputters again, will Kellen Moore finally get the brunt of the blame? I I think he deserves to be right up there as it is, you know, but but you're right. It's mostly Dak Prescott uh, who gets to get in the brunt of the blame. But I, I think he should be right up there with Dak if that's the case. You know? Zeke was having a good year last year until he got hurt. He was. The problem with Zeke is not 
being healthy. The problem is, can he stay healthy? Jose says, go get a Ridgeway jersey. Love this dude. Man, he's awesome. Um, Vosh played the, the audio from his, his uh, presser yesterday. Not a presser, but his locker room yesterday. And I just continue to. He's another one of those guys I listen to, and I'm like, man, I hope he sticks around. And by the way, uh, Jake Ferguson today for the Ravens series. And then our guy, Big Country, is next. I am excited to talk about and dig more into Big Country. I think that'll be Thursday. We'll talk about him. James says, I'm not talking about running 11 because of our receivers. I'm talking about our running back, Tony Pollard. Huh? Do me, I mean, not unless you can't, but I would love for you to call in, James, 351-999-3787, uh, and, and explain that aspect of it. You're not saying it because of the receivers. You're saying it because of Tony P. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not really following that one. If we look at the 12, he says running takes running 11 takes linebackers off the field. Again, I believed coming into last year, the Cowboys were best out of 11 personnel because of what you're saying, James. Exactly what you're saying. Because when you look at the receivers, you have to pay attention. Like, you cannot cheat up against Damari Cooper, Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb. You can't. You can't cheat and say, oh, you know what? We're going to drop this safety. We'll we'll double team here and we'll just bracket so-and-so. You couldn't do that. But with this current wide receiving group, and, and he's on the horn here, so that's great. I don't think you can do – I don't think that you can – just say, hey, I got to pay attention to James Washington and Jalen Tolbert, right? I would cheat up a little bit more and say, beat me with Jalen Tolbert. Beat me with James Washington. Prove it to me first. Um, where the numbers last year prove that in 12, you averaged almost six yards per carry without Michael Gallup. That can't, you know what I'm saying? That can't be overlooked. But James called in, man. Let's get James on the horn. I appreciate you calling in. Explain to me a little bit more so so I can have a better understanding, oh, good brother. By the way, good morning. Okay, so can you hear me? I hear you loud and clear. Okay, so after that Denver game, we got exposed in the 12 personnel. Defenses started playing back and forcing Jack to have to make throws with receivers who are tight to the line. If we run 11, we force teams to take linebackers off the field and have to make tackles on our running backs in open space. That's why I say we need to go. Like 2016, when we had a young Travis Frederick, a young Zach Martin, a young healthy Tyrus Smith, absolutely run 12. We don't have that kind of offensive line to just line up and knock the defensive line on their ass to be able to run the football. But 12 personnel, what it allows you to do when you have a suspect offensive line is put more bodies in there to create more traffic. So it's harder for those D linemen and linebackers. more traffic in there too, though. Yeah, but again, how how can you displace 5.7 yards per carry the first eight weeks of the season? Like, they ran the ball extremely productive. And we won six out of the last 11 games because it was like, hey, look, if they're going to run 12, make them pass the ball. But we, we didn't run 12 a lot. That, that was the point of me showing that exercise. Well, yeah. We, we, went, from being right. the, we went from being the third most 12 personnel team to being the 17th. So they did exactly what you wanted to do. They ran a bunch more 11, and it didn't work. 
And here's why it probably didn't work for a number of reasons. They didn't have a, a, a tight end capable of sustaining the blocks to help out when you take out another tight end. Thus, the offensive line, which got sketchy, right? The protection was breaking down. So team said, I don't need to dedicate a bunch of people to rush you. I can just rush you with four. And now I'm noticing, hell, I don't even need to dedicate a lot of players to stop you on the ground. So I don't think whether it was 12 or 11, it really much mattered. I think what happened was the injuries caught up to Dallas and the play calling never adapted to how other teams uh, played against Dallas as opposed to a specific set, if that makes sense, James. Right. But what type of blocking style do you use when you run 12? you got to protect the A-gap. you got to have power blocking. Now, we're, we're putting all the stress on Tyler Smith to, to protect the A-gap to even run 12, and that's, I think that's asking too much on him. Hey, bro, I think hey, bro, he'd be better off running bro. zone blocking in 11. But, but wait, 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 wait. You said you said it's too much to ask a power player to do power things. He's a rookie, so he's got his groin pains. Hey, and we're asking a lot on him because he got to do something. A gap isn't protected. You can't run twelve without a protected a gap. Brother, he has to do something in his rookie season, right? Like he's got to do something. Right. I mean, now, I just, I'm no, I'm no offensive. Be a little bit smaller task. That's interesting, and I'm not, I'm not going to say you're wrong because I'm not a lineman. So I, I will, I will. Uh, I will leave that up to Vach. Maybe I'll talk to him about it. Maybe I'll talk to an offensive line person. But I really want to know. Maybe you play line. Maybe somebody could tell me. Is it easier? No, I play quarterback. <laughs> okay. As an offensive lineman, is it easier to be a zone block situation? Where I, I mean, I'm just thinking out loud, y'all. If I feel like zone blocking is a little bit more cerebral, a little bit more nuanced. Uh, you know, I, I, I just seems to me as opposed to a. I'm in a phone booth. I'm in a wrestling match. I'm a power player. You a power player. Let's go. It seems like it'll be I mean, a little looking, bit easier. Okay, last season in college, Tyler Lunderbaum was probably the best zone blocking tight end, and he's like 280 pounds. Center zone blocking center, right? But Tyler Lunderbaum yeah. is is he's one of the most one of the most cerebral centers or offensive linemen in the in the draft. Number one. Number two, his strength is not to strength on strength you. His strength is zone blocking because I'm quicker, I'm smaller. He I'm, knows how and, to turn your body. Exactly. And I'm more headier. That's not necessarily Tyler Smith. Now, I'm not saying Tyler Smith's not athletic. He absolutely is. He can get to second levels but and things like that. But he knows how to turn defenders, though. Sh- sure. I'm not Tyler dis- Smith knows how to turn defenders, which is perfect for zone blocking. You know what also it's is not – you, you know what also is not perfect for zone blocking. Because you're not about to muscle Jordan Davis when we play the Eagles. You know, you know what also is not perfect for zone blocking. Bad hand technique. Because if you get yeah, outside, you get hands inside. Yeah, you get outside, yeah, yeah. If you get outside on the zone where you got to reach up or you got to get to the second level, and you all wild with it, either you're going to miss completely or you're going to hold. So, I'm interested. I'll t- I'll talk to an O line expert and, and see because that's interesting that you brought that up. I'm now kind of want to know what what will be easier for a rookie power player because that's what I consider Tyler. To do off bat, to be a power guy coach, or, or I to zone? I coach freshman football. I sure. coach freshman football. And I tried running 12, and I noticed when I didn't have the blocking that my A-gap got destroyed. It kind of just messed the whole play up. But when I went into 11 personnel, it wasn't so much stress on my offensive alignment to have to beat their guy every play. Hey, when listen. you run 12, you have to beat the guy in front of you every play. I, I don't disagree. Especially the two guards. I don't, I don't disagree with wanting 11 over 12 when you have the personnel to do it. But if you give me, 
2016 Cowboys? Absolutely. Run 12 every play. I'm talking about 11. I'm talking about if I have the 11 oh. personnel to do it, I, I, oh. have, I have no qualms rolling that out there. But if I've got... I think you were looking at their lack of receivers is why we couldn't run 11. But I was talking right. about if you run 11, it also makes a line, uh, a single Mike have to make a tackle in space on a running back. And he's got to pick the right gaps. Because if he picks the wrong gap, then you can have a running back running free up, up to the next level. And I think it, it makes linebackers like kind of hesitant to run up and make a play when you have to pick the correct gap. It's like uh, playing those game shows. You got to pick the right door. What's behind door number one or door number two if, when you're playing zone blocking? Sure. I understand. It makes the linebackers play back on their heels. I understand your results uh, for your squad is, is, is have you a little bit worried about that. But that's why I wanted to give you the results for the Cowboys last year when they ran 12 productively. It was it was really yeah, good. Yeah, over five yards per carry. That's, yeah. that's, that's not something that we – and 111 passer rating, right? But But – I think that's why they went out and got a Jake Ferguson. Man. But, hey, James, listen, I got a couple other callers on the horn. I appreciate you calling yeah, in. Yeah, I want to pick it for your time. I apologize. Yeah. No, no, no. Don't apologize, man. I'm glad you did that because I'd rather do this than try to decipher what you're saying in there. So, thank you. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I'm glad you got what I was trying to say, though. Yeah, I, I feel you. All right. Yep, no problem. It's something that, uh, you know, we'll have to follow. We'll have to follow here um, as we move forward. I got a couple other callers on the horn. Hold tight. We got and I, we got Coach Marvin Lose. Just hold tight real quick. Let me get to the final uh, rating series, and I want to pick this back up, the final part in our rating series, if I can find it, which is the long-term outlook. I've got four stars here. I'll be quick with this one here. Four stars. Um, going four stars because of the uncertainty, really, with Dalton Schultz, to be honest. Feels like Ferguson could be here to move into that spot as a cheap replacement to Dalton Schultz. Now, this this can change a little bit, not a lot, if, if Schultz signs a long-term extension. But I'm going to be honest with you. It's not just Dalton Schultz. It's kind of also a level of confidence that the staff has given me in the development of Dalton Schultz, right? That that they can develop Jake Ferguson in a similar way. Um, they're kind of similar, right? They, they came out. I think they comp very well. I, I think Ferguson was a little bit ahead of the curve productive-wise from a, a pass-catching standpoint, but they blocking tight ends have to develop to be better um, – receiving guys and it's not going to come from being athletes it's going to come from learning the game but when you think about the cowboys they really haven't had a consistent two tight end set for years so regardless of if Schultz signs an extension if 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 jake can be kind of a solid tight end too is something that we you know we haven't seen in a while think about it jarwin was banged up i say jarwin i say don't Jarwin was banged up the last two seasons. Witten returned in 2019 and just threw a monkey wrench and everything. In 2018, they went with an improving talent pool and it failed. And in reality, Jason Witten's best days were behind him by 2017. So you'll probably have to go all the way back to Witten Bennett days for a top tier two tight end set 12 personnel look. 
And then if you want to go back to a respectable one, you're talking about Witten and James Hanna. And that's the last, that's what, six years ago. So it's been almost, you know, over a half a decade since the Cowboys have really had a consistent two tight end type of set. A 12 personnel look to have confidence to roll out there. I'm not saying that'll happen year one with Jake Ferguson. But what I am saying is if they decide to keep Dalton Schultz around for over $10 million a year, ain't my business. If they decide to do that, then Jake Ferguson and Dalton Schultz could make for a very solid and consistent 12 personnel set moving forward. If they don't decide to sign Dalton Schultz, when it comes to long-term outlook, boom. Jake Ferguson's your tight end one, y'all. So I've got this four stars because it's going to be really hard for Ferguson not to be a guy in this offense, regardless of what happens with Dalton Schultz. Uh, Tony says three Cowboys will draft another tight end next year to go with Jake. Well, then that would make that's the reason why I think it, it would increase it because if Schultz is gone, Jake's your tight end one. Uh, Gregory says four. Scotty says four if Kellen can actually use him right. Adrian says three. Uh, Jeremy says five. So that I would imagine you're looking at him as a as a starter moving forward and possibly as a guy that you, you bring back. Okay, Brandon is a former offensive lineman. He says, as a former O-lineman, zone blocking is about footwork and awareness. Zone blocking originated under Bill Walsh, where underlies uh, O-lineman had a home. Three stars from T-Mac. Let's see here. <laughs> Why yelling? <laughs> so, yeah, that's where I'm at with it. Four stars on a long-term outlook. I think Jake Ferguson, one way or another, will be a guy that the Cowboys um, invest in, whether that be – financially, but that's four or five years down the road. But investing in regards to tight end two or tight end one. And in reality, Dallas needed to find a reliable tight end two. I I wanted to, I wanted it to be McEwen, but I'm not, I'm not silly, right? McEwen undrafted guy. Very rare reps. So I felt like tight end was a position they had to address at some point. And I thought the fourth round was Chef's kiss. Fourth, fifth round is where you go get your tight end. Huh, CJ, that's, I think you're mixing Dalton Schultz up with Blake Jarwin. You said five-star Schultz is injury prone. You're definitely mixing him up with Blake Jarwin. Yeah. Jose says he gets four stars because the only thing in my world that gets five stars <laughs> is J-Lo's booty. Oh, wow, man. What? You a wild boy, Jose, a wild boy. Three stars from Big Sarge. And let's get into the horn with my guy, Coach Marv. What's up, what's Coach? Going on? What's, what's going on, Sky? How you doing, man? Good to hear Can from you. Can you hear me? Yep, I hear you loud and clear. Yeah, man. Yeah, I just want to – I was going to call about one of my other pet peeve things, but, you know, I'm a former offensive lineman and then coach some offensive line also. And, uh, so help me out here, I Coach. I was hearing about – Okay, let me, first of all, let's, let's start about the, the, the running attack early in the season. It wasn't a zone. It was an attack style. Dallas was attacking people on the offensive line at the beginning of the season. They were attacking um, uh, three-gap, uh, a, a lot of, 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 of power plays with um, a lot of versatility uh, with, their, with, their, with their offensive line. 
I think that they try to do a little bit more zone. I don't understand why they left the game plan to go into a more of a zone thing in the second half of the season because maybe you can run that more out of the shotgun. If you look at their running plays in the beginning of the season, they ran a lot of plays from under center. They stopped running the ball as much as the second half of the season from under center. Sometimes you, you can run a lot of zone read plays better when you're running from the shotgun formation. I do not think that they have zone-blocking linemen. Zach Martin is not a zone-blocking lineman. He has always been an attack, physical-type guy. Terrence Steele is not a real zone-type guy. He's been an attack guy. And you just drafted a guy in Tyler Smith that is an attack guy. Mm. So trying to fit these guys into a zone-slide, second-level-type guys, you may have been better with that with Connor Williams because he wasn't a physically attacked guy. But now that you have two big horses at the guard position, you're going to see a lot of attacking, and you're going to see your, probably your center be the guy that uses his ability to get to the second level because he doesn't have to worry about the power on one side of him getting overcome by defensive tackles. And, Coach. I think that hurt me. Yeah. Would, would would you consider, and I'm just thinking out loud here, when they pull a guard, because they're going to pull Tyler Smith, I think they're going to use his athleticism on pulls. I would consider that mm-hmm. as attacking as well as opposed to zone, correct? That is that is attacking. That okay. is attack. Traps is an attacking yeah. style. That's not a zone-blocking scheme. Ta- uh, traps, off-tackle uh, off plays, I think if you watch, if you watch the film uh, on them, Sky, you – one way you can tell if you're just looking at a, a, a running play. If you watch the film on them in the early part of the season, you didn't see all linemen flowing the same way. That's basically what the zone thing is. Care. We slide the same way, and we, we allow the running back to pick the hole. If you watch the film early in the season, you had people attacking, and, and when they attacked on both sides of the ball, their butts was to the hole. That means they're attacking. They're not sliding. You're sealing off the left, you're sealing off the right, and the, and, the, and the running back is hitting the hole, and he's got butts to his right, butts to his left. So they were attacking people early in the season, but when they went to that zone read situation later in the season, I think it came because of two reasons. One, Kellen. Two, I think the calf injury with Dak, they wanted to do a lot more from and the shotgun, mm. then to let him come out from under center because of that of that calf thing, because that that puts a lot of strain of yeah. trying to do those, uh, get into that get into that running back and doing those play actions with that calf strain. So that might have been one of the reasons. But the stats show that them running from under center was much more productive yeah. than them running out of the shotgun. Absolutely. So, I mean, you had the cat. You make a great point with the calf, and also Zeke. You know, he he also wasn't a guy. I don't even think he's a guy even in his damn prime. Really, maybe now I'll say twenty sixteen he was good, but he's not a guy I really want running out of shotgun. I don't think you utilize his no. strengths by by running out of shotgun. Maybe Tony Pollard you do that with, but not Ezekiel Elliott. Right, and they, and when they were attacking people with you know with their which play actions works better. Play actually works better when when the when the quarterback turns his back to the football, um, back to the defense. Yes, absolutely. Because now, defenses have to say, okay, 
He's not looking downfield, so they have to step up. But when you're doing a shotgun, that play at your face and you're still looking down the field, you don't get the same results in a play-action pass as you have when a guy's coming from under the center. That's why there's a – that's why even let's look at the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore Ravens says they wanted to go a little bit more under center with them, uh, uh, Jackson because it would give them a better play-action read from the defenses than him being in the shotgun. And in regards now to, they give a chance that he's got to yeah. get open. In regards to Dak, so, I, I think he's fantastic in, in play action under center. Like his, his ball, you know, his ball placement or, or magicianry, if you want to call it that, has gotten better and better over the years under uh, under center. I'm sorry, from a play action standpoint. Uh, but you, man, you you know, you really made me remember about the whole calf situation. Of you do have to fire out from under center <laughs> to put that ball, pull it out. And then you get into yeah. your drop and get your read, uh, as opposed to shotgun, anyway, you're just standing still. I got two other points, guy. I'm gonna let you go. Well, sure. one and the one is the, this is the, the the piggyback on that on the calf thing. In the second part of the season, we had Dak had a couple of fumbles on handoffs when he just didn't get there on the handoffs, and I think a lot of that came because of that calf was not totally healed, and when you pushing off, coming back and trying to get that stretch that stretch a zone play coming from underneath the center, that's a that's a real that's a lot of strain on your on your calf. Um but one of the there's two things I wanted to say and I wanted to see if you can you can piggyback on this. One, we keep as cowboy fans as you and Bosch and all of us keep pointing out incidents about the run game early in the year, how well we were doing how well we was what yards we were doing the twelve per personnel, how much well we were doing the stats were showing from underneath the center. Mm. The things that we did to win games. I'm so curious is why the coaches are not looking at these things and trying to do something different. I just be who you are. Do not create another wheel. Be who you are and that would be good enough. It's not about being what everybody else is. The second point, Scott, I want you to comment on this when I get off. We have been clamoring about Tony Pollard in the passing game since he was drafted to this organization. He is he could be a very key part to helping this passing game as well as helping our receivers get more room because of his underneath attack ability. He's a return guy. If he catches the ball in space, he is a dangerous guy to take it for six every time he catches a pass out in space. That is his skill set. So again, why are we not using it? That may be this the $64,000 question. <laughs> It's return guys in space guy is dangerous. If I'm a defensive coordinator, I got to make sure that I kind of slide my zone when he does catch it so I can try to crowd him in a box. I can't allow him to be in an open space away from the action and I got this one linebacker or maybe a safety out there and says it's hard to tackle this guy in kickoff returns. Now I got one guy out there and if he doesn't tackle him, he's going to bump his head on the goalpost? That, this guy should at least have 50 to 60 catches a year. Oh, my goodness. Minim, minimum. 
absolute minimum. At this point, if Michael Gallup, again, I think the the positive outlook is three games, but if they decide to put him on pup, which I, I don't I don't know that they'll do that. We're just looking at the whole other side of the situation. If they do put him on pup, it'll be six games. But regardless, with Michael Gallup out, do you guys remember Lance Dunbar? When, when Dez yeah. got hurt in the first game of the season in 2015, Tony looked to Lance and said, let's go. And he had like 10 catches one game, eight catches another game, and, and it took like two, three more games, and he got and hurt. And he kept Lance Dunbar in the league for a couple more years. Well, that Lance, kept Lance Dunbar in the league well, Lance for got a hurt. couple of years. Yeah, but that's yeah. still, I think Denver gave him a shot because of that of that nature. Yeah, this guy is it's the truth. Yeah. Yeah, what I'm getting at is that you can use him in that in that pass catchy way if that's all all you want to use him as. Although I think that TP has the ability to be a very multifaceted dude. I really, truly, truly believe he can be an Alvin Kamara type of running back, and I don't think that's a stretch. Alvin Kamara doesn't have a bunch of thousand yard rushing seasons. What Alvin Kamara does have is a bunch of seasons where he's getting seven, eight hundred yards on the ground, seven, eight hundred yards in the air. Because he's a weapon in a mismatch problem against safeties and linebackers that that Peyton utilized that way, um, where you know whether you want to call it politics or not, feels like you know we have to get. And I don't, I'm not hating on Zeke. It just feels like we have to get Zeke his 20 touches. And I think yeah, and I just think I think I think you're right, Sky. And I think the the problem with this is, I and I say this and let you go. I know you got to go. Sure. I heard the Dan Quinn interview, and he talked about um, his mentors that told him, showed him about evaluating players and getting the best out of them, doing with their skill set, getting to know and doing their skill set over and over. He talked about the great coaches that he coached with, like at Seattle and the coaches before that, that he molded his game around. Does Kellen Moore have that? I doesn't feel like it to me. Again, I, I've asked. So that's what Kellen Moore needs. Yeah. He needs that mentorship. And this is what Mike McCarthy's job is, to mentor this guy. So when this guy leaves or later on down in his career, he can say, man, I got mentored and, and showed a lot from a guy like Mike McCarthy that mentored me. He has no mentorship. He's been this is a young guy. Well, his mentor. Not saying he's not smart. Was fired. He's a great mentor. His mentor was fired. That's uh, but we we need more than one mentor. You guys need yeah. more than one mentor, because then you only know one way. You got to have Scott some guys, and uh, maybe Scott Linehan might not have been the guy. Yeah, but he needs that. He he really needs that. Let me see if I can. Pull Scott, this. as you always do, man, keep pushing the man. I love what y'all do, man, and I keep following, brother. Appreciate you, Marv. Excellent call. Excellent call. Thank you as always. It's our good brother, Marv. Uh. I was trying to bring up this blocking video because one of the things that I think are extremely exaggerated, and this is not no offense to you. Let's see if I can find who said that. All right, Chris, no offense to you, Chris, but I think there's something that is extremely exaggerated within the community. Tony Pollard can't block. And I, for whatever reason, this damn video is not pulling up for me. Uh, I'll try it one more again. Hold on here. That is false. Uh, people say, oh, you can get that killed and all this other thing. Look, Tony Pollard may not be Tyron Smith as a blocker. 
But there's ample enough evidence to show that Tony Pollard has also been a good blocker and has made a ton of good blocks. Um, has he missed blocks? Yeah. But here's something y'all probably don't like. So is Zeke. The, so has Zeke. Zeke has missed a good share amount of blocks. Here's my thing, though. I don't give a damn. I just want my running back to make plays from a running back standpoint and a receiving standpoint, what they get paid and are drafted to do. All right. I am not putting Tony Pollard into block. I'm putting Tony Pollard in to go run a route or go make a play from a receiving game. Now, there's a times he has to block. Yes. And if I can pull this video up, I'll show you those times um, that he's blocked. Well, let me see if this will work. Hey, here we go. And, it's, and these are just a few plays. This isn't, you know, the whole entire season or anything like that. But because someone said that, I think it was my guy, John Owning, who went out and uh, said, let me put together some clips. I don't, I can't remember if this is the whole season. I think it was just at that point in the season where TP actually picked up some blocks. So, again, and I'm not trying to call you out. I'm just saying, I advise just, just flipping it on and, and you'll see that Tony Pollard isn't, Again, he's not some amazing blocker, but he's done things that have allowed Dak extra time um, or, you know, things like this. Like, that's that's a win. Like, well, I don't I don't need my running back to be, you know, Zach Martin. I don't just get in the damn way. That's how I look at it. So. Uh, Rashawn says, how good is Barry Sanders at blocking? I, yeah. <laughs> uh, Pollard Scrappy. DA says he's serviceable. That's a good word to use. I think that's what I would use. It's serviceable. You know, just get in the way. Give allow that extra second or two. I you know, and we're good to go. I don't really need you to be a Pro Bowl blocker. All right, let's get to Los to finish out today's show. What's up, Los? Good morning, Sky. Good morning. Um, hope you're having a good Tuesday. I'm it's ready for the Tuesday. game tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, hey, I just want to say this, man. Uh, Lord Brunton must, from the Eagles, the Eagles fan, he must be higher than high Jesus. saying things like N'Kobe Dean will be better than Micah and he can't play the game. He's a crash dummy. Ugh. Like, has he not seen football? I and, mean, and, like, and, and, and it sucks because, like, yeah, I said I wasn't going to do this. I wasn't going to do this. I wasn't going to retweet it or nothing. I was going to let him be in his little island of, of – Whatever he is, is what he's trying to prove here. I don't know if he's trying to do it for clicks or not because he doesn't need them. Like, he's a very successful uh, Philadelphia Eagles content creator. Shout out to him. But I, I don't know if he's doing this to rile up Cowboys Nation for this. I don't know. But is it worth making you look like you don't know football to say these things? Or is this just Cowboys, Eagles, fandom banter? Because the stuff he's been saying about Micah, honestly – if I'm a football fan, I'm not tuning into you to get football takes because you're making no sense. But if it's just for like, hey, I'm going to rile up the Cowboys, cool, 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 cool. I'm going to let you do that. But to sit here and say not only, and I'm sorry for stealing your thunder here, Los, but to sit here and say not only do you think that N'Kobe Dean, who hasn't taken a snap in the NFL yet, is going to have a better career or the potential, whatever the hell, to have a better career than Micah Parsons. And then say that Michael Parsons doesn't have a high football IQ. And then to, to insult the man's game and say that he's a crash dummy. Sir, all football stuff, take it that way. 
I, I don't want to hear nothing you got to say about football unless you coming out and you say, yo, you know what, man? I was just, I was just messing around. I, I was just doing some Cowboys equal banter. Because other than that, why would I come to you for any analytical football take? I digress. Exactly. And, and this is why Eagles fans be trying to tune in our Cowboys nation. Because at least they'll pick up some knowledge of football. And don't get it twisted. We hate the player because of the jersey they wear. But that doesn't mean we don't respect their strengths and look to expose their weakness. That's the difference, you know? Yeah. And I just have a question for you, Sky. Uh, in which way do you think we will use our tight ends to help Dak in this offensive culture? Uh, more of a pa- uh, passing scheme, kind of like the number one offense we have, or kind of like run it up your mouth, top of two tight personnel out there at times? Because if you were to choose one, I think I'm in the belief we have to find ways to – attack more of the zones the team gives us. So I'm more of the passing attack. But don't get it twisted. I don't want Schultz to be a number one. That's CD's job, okay? Right. Just because he got paid doesn't mean he he needs a damn ball. But we have to find ways to get him the ball, you know? Or at least spread the field and not, you know, these sideline throws or these um, four or three-yard, you know, throws that our personnel run there at times. So what what's your thoughts on that? Uh, on what part? Because you said a lot, a lot of things right there. Oh, sorry. Yeah, about cool. like maybe using, uh, basically expanding the field more in the passing attack. But you know, like spreading like, it, like spreading the field out, like empty. Yeah, kind of like um, how, how would I? Uh, what's a good example? Um, how how the Chargers or what? Well, dang. Like a good safety valve, how we used to use Jason Wood in that time. You know, if if, if the middle of the field's open, oh, we're going to take it or, you know. Oh, I think they do that. I think they do that with Dalton Schultz. I think he is their safety valve. I think, you know, and it's sometimes you, you saw teams kind of game plan towards that. Hey, we're just going to take Schultz away because it's easier to do so um, later in the year because teams were disguising things. Uh, or they say, hey, you know what? <laughs> we'll let Schultz catch his little eight yards and fall down, you know, if it's if it's third and long or whatever. But, no, I think they use Schultz. I don't think they should be featuring Schultz. But if they're going to feature him, I hope Schultz takes the next step as a player. Uh, better be more downfield guy. I think he breaks tackles pretty well, but do it more. Uh, block a little bit better. Um, just kind of continue to be productive. But whatever taking the next step is for Dalton Schultz, do that. Because there's very high potential that we're going to be using Schultz more uh, than we've had in the past because you don't have Amari Cooper, you don't have Michael Gallup to start the season. Yeah, and I think I guess that's a good point. And I was thinking about that as well. So I just hope you know, Schultz better be ready. You know, if we're gonna, and hey, who knows? He might prove himself to be earning that money he deserves. I mean, if not, you know, we we're kind of the full kind of giving that franchise tag and not giving it to Cooper. I'll say that. But um, uh, yeah. I won't be surprised if Ferguson, if Ferguson develops at a quick level. So they're going to be at a tough decision at the GM level upstairs because, you know, if Ferguson develops the way we think he can develop, I mean, there ain't a thing that he can't do that Schultz can do. Am I correct? If Ferg- yeah, no, no, 100% agree. I agree. I, I, don't, I don't think Schultz is this amazing talent. Um, I think he's a hard worker. I think he's improved. I think he's, he's nuanced uh, tight end because he, you know, you see, he was under Jason Witten, right? Like, that's who he studied, and, and that's what Jason Witten is. He's not this, a super athlete for most of his career. He was a decent athlete at the beginning of his career, but obviously, you know, 
You ain't no Kyle Pitts, Tony Gonzalez, Jimmy Graham. So you got to win differently. Um, and if 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 Ferguson does show traits of being that guy, yeah, I don't see why they would sign Schultz. But I think Schultz Peoples is like, hey, Jerry, knock, knock, knock. I'd like to get a contract done prior to the season, if you may. Yeah. But, yeah, I'll leave it like that, Sky. And, and hey, let me say this. Make sure you tune in every morning with Skywalker Steel, the young Jedi film master, and not Lord Brunson, the <laughs> clown of the Lord Eagles. All right? Make sure y'all tune in to Real Football Talk every morning. Sponsored by Texas Family and Peace out. <laughs> you might have to – I had, to, I had to pay my guy. Texas Family Fitness shout out. Man, I love y'all. Bomb Squad is a beast. Bomb Squad! Toxic Tom, in regards to Lord Brunson, he said this. Keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. <laughs> Keep my team's name out. Your, I got my beat button. <laughs> That's good. That's good, man. That's good. Hey, listen, I don't, I don't, I don't care that they talk about them. y'all. Know me? I don't, I don't talk about the Eagles on this channel. When we play them, sure. If I'm doing an, 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 a review, sure. I can. We we swept the Eagles last year. Yes, they got better. And am I supposed to sit here and talk about it for all offseason? For whatever reason, there's this thing going on between the content. It's kind of funny. It's kind of WWE-ish, to be honest with you. But I ain't trying to be involved in that because it's, it's, it's silly. Y'all starting to say silly things now. Crash t- t- test dummy. Can't read. My man shows one play in the Niners game and says, you see, you know, he bit on the tight end die. Huh? Sir. This is how I say. I don't have the patience to jack with you today. I don't. Uh, you know, we got frontline soldiers that can deal with that stuff. I, I, I'm trying to provide quality content to my Cowboy fans here, give it updated news, break down some film, break down the draft picks, talk about what's going on and things like that. I ain't got time for it. I ain't got time. Literally, I really don't. <laughs> but salute to all content creators, though. This stuff is, is not easy. Uh, we put a lot of hard work into it. But the WWE stuff, it's fun as a, as a, as a viewer. I ain't trying to be involved in that crap. And I'll leave it at that. I know Alpha. I know. I know. I know. I I didn't bring it up though. Los brought it up, and 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 what I say all the time about this thing, we can talk about each other. We can fuss and fight, disagree, things like that, because we Cowboys family. But like family, right? If an outsider tries to do that, you got to come correct. Is how I see it. And calling Mike a crash test dummy, not saying he don't have an IQ. Saying somebody ain't took a snap is going to be better. That ain't coming correct, fam. That ain't coming correct. Now digress. Let's just move on. In fact, we're going to wrap up this show. We're going to get into the chat, wrap up this show here. Are not bound by TV network and say what they want. You are the future. Man, man, that's heavy, Tom. That's heavy. Appreciate it. Um, 
I do believe this is the wave of the future, though. Uh, the content creators, and, and I, I don't think that's far fetched. I see. I think you see a lot of them moving on to bigger and better things, getting involved with bigger networks, Bleacher Reports, the you know the volume. Shout out to the volume. Um, here A to Z, obviously they found me, and here we are now. A to Z Sports Dallas is a little bit more known than it was beforehand. So. It's, I think, personally, it's the wave. I don't know about y'all. Maybe we'll do a poll on this another time. I really don't watch a lot of cable. I don't even have cable TV anymore. Cut the cord a while ago. Only brought it back when I came down to Dallas so I could watch some college games until I found my black market website. And once I got that, I really didn't care about cable. So, I don't, you know. Now, Twitter reposts a lot of things that happen on these networks, and I have no problem with the networks in general because we still need those in a way. Uh, But when it comes to at least my team, I could care less about what they got to say because there's a different agenda. So I decide I want to try to provide what y'all really want to hear. And here we are. Appreciate you. You know. Whoever Sarah McCoy is, thank you for the view. Thank you for watching. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you are doing well. And whatever is bothering you about Dak Prescott, whatever he did to you, Miss Sarah, you get over it. This is crazy. Uh, CJ Richards, Sky, who would be a good backup green dot? I think you have to give that to Micah. Let's be clear. Not giving the green dot to Micah early on is smart because you, you don't want the young man to, to, to have a bunch on his plate. And, and remember, the green dot kind of, in a way, got removed. I don't want to call it removed, but put on J-Ron because you saw that Micah had to not only be a linebacker, not only had to be the Mike, not only, then he had to rush from the left, rush from the right. He was getting a lot put on, be defensive in. He was getting a lot put on his plate that that added – added extra thing was like you know what what if we remove this let's see what happens um but at some point your middle linebacker is usually your green dot guy i talked to barry church about this he said it is very uncommon that a safety is ever the green dot guy so i think i think micah should probably be prepared to be that uh let's see what else you guys got to say as we get out of here it could be questions statements whatever Wait till Dean has to start shedding blocks. And this isn't a knock on Dean either. Like, I like Dean coming out. Y'all know that. But come on, give me a break. Uh, The only reason I still have satellite is for Sunday ticket. Yeah. (laughs) We we know she's not doing well. I only have cable to watch college basketball. I literally only got it to watch college football until I, you know. Found my black market site. Uh, Because, you know, those things switch up all the time. All right, that's that's about it. That's what we got today. I see y'all getting in on saying, see, this is, see, what she don't know is, and I found my other button, but. Bob Squad! I really have to say nothing. Y'all take care of, uh, of this nonsense in there, and I appreciate y'all. Salute. Uh, appreciate the donations, by the way. Let me make sure I, I didn't miss any if we got any, because don't want to be that guy. The calls were fantastic. The chat, as always, was fantastic. Good show today. I, I I told y'all I think the Ferguson rating was going to be sneaky, but sneaky good. I think it was sneaky good. Learned a lot about him 
from a personal standpoint, but obviously we try to, uh, I try to give you my take on what he is as a player and what he's going to be for now in the future. Um, okay, I didn't miss any. Cool, cool. We're good. We're good to go. Appreciate y'all. Excellent. Keep it trail, Sky. Of course, of course, Peasy. Uh, CJ Scott, keep doing your thing. This is the only show I have to listen to every day. Ah, man. Heavy. Heavy. At first, I kind of was like, damn, morning, morning show. Are people really going to tune in this in the morning? But then I started thinking, man, I listen to, I used to listen to Mike and Mike every day in the morning. I used to listen to uh, whatever's on the radio in the morning. I used to listen to, well, you know what I'm saying? Morning shows when I was coming up. So, and now it's a part of me. All right. Hey, tomorrow we'll be back. If I don't get into the John Ridgeway big country spirit, I'm holding, trying to hold off till Thursday for that rating series. I uh, will have something different set up for tomorrow. Um, but make sure y'all tune in later tonight uh, for Mauricio Rodriguez. We've got the A to Z Sports Primetime show on. And I'm still hammering away at some of these player interviews. I'm trying to get to y'all. They will not be live. We ain't going to put them in that situation. But um, I know story and I'm not going to talk about the other player because but story definitely was is, is something that could happen. But trying to get those guys on here in a way so that we can, you know, hear what they got to say about their process into the league and how they are progressing within the league. Uh, once we get to that weird dead period, that's where I really try to hammer away at these interviews. I try to get media guys on. I try to get uh, former coaches, former players, current players, so we can kind of build that bridge between dead period and camp. That's kind of my favorite time to do that, but my least favorite time as a content creator because it's nothing. It's nothing. But, all right, y'all enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. I'm going to go ahead and hit this button. Get on up out of here. Y'all have a good day. Y'all be safe. Y'all be nice. Even to the, to the trolls. Kill them with kindness. Unless they talking about crash dummies and all this other nonsense. Kill them with kindness. Y'all been great. Love y'all. You can have a PBR in your hand, says Toxic. Absolutely. Not. Oh, we were talking about Ridgeway? Yeah. Facts. Love you, girl. Yeah. Peace. Hey, Miss Sarah. Get your damn act together.